So we'll do the sync clap thing. Um, yeah. Jaron. Tyler. Excellent. Hi, everybody. Should I start recording now? <laughs> Probably, yeah. That'd be great. No, we're good. I've been recording. <laughs> Carry on. Michael's going to suffer for that. Um, well, he's going to suffer for a lot of things, but that's just on the list now. Hi. <sighs> everybody welcome to better homes and dungeons this week living a healthy lifestyle how can you whip your partner into shape uh, wasn't that good <laughs> it was pretty good man i'm not gonna lie it wasn't that good i think last week's was better <laughs> oh well um everyone welcome to better homes and dungeons um i am joined today um by jaron yo so jaron how you been I have been so good. Oh my god, I've been super productive. Uh, we're in crunch time for Mirka, so hella, hella busy. Excellent. Oh, oh, you know, guys, I'm I'm terrible because uh, I'm not going to reference him by name this time. He's actually with <laughs> us now. He's in the room. Well, not this room. Hello. Yes. Um, I, this is Tyler. I'm. I've. Uh, all of my references in the past have been. Uh, it's. Uh, like Thanos references in all the Avengers movies, mm -hmm. and now this is this is my Infinity War, and also Jaren is here. Yes, <laughs> Can we, that, I went, that's the title of this podcast. Just this really long description, and also Jaren is here. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you should have said, "Hey, I'm Tyler Cardwell, the great podcaster. Maybe you've heard of me." <laughs> well, that's that's Michael Stick. Yeah. That's not me. Well, I, I suspect more people have heard of you than Michael, so that's that's pretty good. Um, so, gents, how have we been? Oh, I already got to answer good. this one. Yeah, Tyler, you go. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know, busy. Just carved some pumpkins for Halloween. Ooh. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Josh, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, to kind of give people a little bit of a look into my actual life... Um, I've got a hospital trip next week, which may delay um, editing and, and recording and things like that. Um, it's nothing serious, it's just annoying. So it, it's kind of at the end of a very, very long stretch of visits to the doctor, blood tests, results, further results, finding out I'm okay, um, and now just kind of like, okay, well, I've got to go to hospital have a thing done and then like going through the wonderful thing of okay how much is this gonna cost me um and the wonderful thing is it's not too much it's pretty good i was gonna say hope hopefully less there than it would here yeah that's one of the things i find terrible about the american health system it's like unless you're working somewhere that gives you really really good medical benefits one accident one mistake one thing you have no control over can just wipe you out and it's like that's stupid well the simple mm -hmm. solution to that is to just not make mistakes 
I mean, that's yeah. an easy yeah. or not. Yeah, don't be prone to cancer or yeah. anything like that. I mean, that. that's Just a genetic to get predisposition. Cancer. So, I mean, it's, it's your fault for being born. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. I didn't ask to be born. So it sucks but, to be okay. you, Jono. Um, excellent. So we, we, I, I thought it would be funny to talk to Tyler um, and Jaren about failing because, Tyler, you're the podcast that I know you from is Talking Fail. So I thought we'd be Talking yep. Fails today. Cool. Excellent. Um, although before that, uh, Jaren, you said you had a cool new magical item for Merka. Oh, yeah, we can get into that uh, yes, real quick please. if you guys want to. I'd love to. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. So are you guys familiar uh, with the, uh, the story of Damocles? Uh, only because of The Simpsons. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's plenty. Uh, so real quick run through yeah. is, uh, you know, Damocles goes to his king. He says, man, you've got it made. All you do is hang out with these hot, attractive women. You've got all this power. It's incredible. Uh, you know, you, you really have it easy. And the king says, well, you know, there's also a lot of pressure on me. Uh, you know, I, I am constantly afraid of failure. Uh, and at any moment, you know, failure for me could be death, whereas failure for you probably wouldn't be. Uh, Damocles just doesn't get it. And so the king says, why don't you sit on my throne and for one day you can be king, but I'm going to tie a sword so that it hangs above your head by one single hair so that you can feel the pressure of being so close to death that I feel. Uh, and he does it for a day and he realizes it's way too much pressure and he bails out, right? And it's kind of a lesson. It's uh, the Spider-Man uh, mythos with, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and so we have this magic item that, that we're working on right now called the Sword of Damocles. Now we've got, we've got two ways that we want to approach it, but they both kind of revolve around failing. And I really want to see which of these two paths you guys think would be neat. So on the one hand, okay. uh, a magic item that when you, you, when you pick it up, right, it, it binds you, you, it's cursed, you can't put it down. Um, when you start making death saving throws, this is for fifth edition, when you start making death saving throws, you can choose to automatically succeed on a death saving throw, and that failed saving throw gets stored into the Sword of Damocles. Then, Mm, any time you roll a one uh, on any roll, right, an ability check and attack, you roll a a d20 against a DC that is three plus the number of stored charges in that sword. And if you fail that roll, you are affected by all of those failed saves all at once. And you can theoretically store an indefinite number of failed saves in this, but that means any number greater than three, if you fail that roll, you know, the DC gets harder and harder. And if it's more than three, when you fail it, you instantly die, right? No saves, you're gone. Uh, So that's one path that we can take with it. The other path that we're talking about is instead of death saving throws, it's damage. Um, Very similar concept, but instead of storing failed death saving throws, you can choose to absorb any amount of damage, right? That that you would be afflicted by um, uh, a certain number of times per day, maybe a certain amount of damage per day. It gets stored in the sword. And then if you roll a one, uh, you've got to make that same uh, saving throw. Uh, it would have a, a different DC, probably like 10 plus or minus, uh, depending on how much damage is stored in there. Uh, and then if you fail it, you take all of that damage all at once. So there's still a chance that you could insta-die from that if it drops you low enough. Uh, but it, it's damage, the absorption, so it's probably more, more practically useful. You know, you'll be able to absorb damage more often than you would absorb saving throws. But I think the saving throws are a really cool idea that I haven't really seen. So what do you guys think? Uh, we'll start, Josh, what, what do you think about that? 
Um, I think two thi- a few things. Um, first of all, were I Damocles, I would have had two royal decrees. Decree number one, remove this sword. Decree number two, pointing at, like, the actual king. Have that man executed. I am now king. <laughs> I mean, that's cheating, but that's also a really good way to play it. I mean, look, if he's going to, you know... Look, if I make a mistake, it could lead to my death. It just did. Yeah, that was a bad call yeah. there, dude. Um, tricky. What does the sword do for me, though, rather than just to me? <laughs> uh, so theoretically... Okay, oh, yeah, the... sorry, 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 sorry. I just remembered. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you could use it to succeed in a death-saving throw, but the problem is it's going to come back at you at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Until you remove the curse. You would need to find a way to remove the curse so that you could put down. Oh, that's another thing is uh, if you try to just get rid of the weapon and it has death saving throws stored in it, you will immediately take those if you try to put it down. So you it, you become like attached to it. It would be, it would be a very like role play centric item. I, I assume this sword would have some kind of like sentience. Uh, we hadn't considered giving it a sentience because uh, that would I could be see the, the added benefit. Cool, like just like this little mm-hmm. whispered voice in the back of your head. Just one mistake. Ooh, that is good. <laughs> I I like the death saving throw thing. That's really narrative power. It's really really narrative power. It's, sorry, it's really powerfully narratively, and um, I dig it. I think keeping track of it would be. A pain in the ass to a degree. The potential for insta kill would be frustrating, so I'd be careful with. <clears throat> sorry, I'd be careful which table I bring it to. Um, but I think it's cool. I think it like with that sentence as well, where the sword is whispering to you about how things could go, or potentially like disrupting the player character's sleep. That would be pretty cool. That being said, I am the same person who slowly tried to drive one of my player characters mad with brainworms in one of our campaigns. <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so yeah, Tyler, I'd, I'd probably get the death save way, because that mm. could be really narrative. I, I get what you're saying with the uh, death saving throw way. Uh, that's like a thing that's not very common. However, as a player, I would love, I would love to have that sword. Like I would build, a, I would take it, build up as much damage as I can, it and could then happen. wait. Uh, then I would also track, I would track down a way to, uh, to, to, to release myself from it, right? So my goal would be to build up a lot of damage into it, uh, find whatever thing is to release myself, and save all those things, and then wait till I like confront a big bad guy, like the big boss. And release myself from it, get him to pick it up, and then, then <laughs> somehow trick trick him into failing, so it kills him so it kills him with like four hundred damage. <laughs> that would be my goal as a player. That would be uh, pretty boss. If I had access. Yeah, I do like that. That's interesting. <laughs> it would probably fail, blow up in my face. Now the big bad guy has a has a sword that can absorb all my damage, uh, and he never fails. The other thing so, that might uh, be yeah. interesting is like, and this could be like a multi-campaign thing, is if a dungeon master is, you know, sufficiently interesting and clever and invested in the sword becoming a major thing, mm-hmm. it could potentially house the souls and personalities of its previous uh, wielders. Ooh. I was thinking that too. Yeah. 
You could have a lot of that fun with that. That is good. That, that would be good failure. Ah, oh, man, yeah. See, I'm so glad that I brought this to you guys. That Oh, man. Yeah, I love all of that. We were literally, like, right before I came down here to do this podcast, uh, we do Write Night on Wednesdays, and mm-hmm. I, I grabbed Colin and Brad, the other two writers, and I was like, hey, really quick, give me a rundown on the Damocles myth. I want to ask them about this weapon because it's all about fails, and that sword is literally, like, you know, increasing the price of failure. Uh I'm really sad that it seems like we're coming out of this just as torn as we went into it, because it sounds like uh, Tyler wants damage and Joss wants death saving. You, you throws, could have so. other fun as well, where it doesn't just help with like keeping your death saving throws like succeeding. You could potentially even say you can get advantage on any attack roll you want, but if you roll a one on either of those dice, it gets a death save. It gets a failed death save as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a similar thing to like a barbarian's reckless attack, where it's like, yeah, yeah, you've got a better chance of hitting or critting, but if you roll a one, and this is say in a fighter's hand, where they might like say roll two or three attacks and they may want advantage because it's a massive battle and they have to win, suddenly they're rolling five or six dice with this one sword, then suddenly it becomes you are going to start accumulating these. Yeah, I like that too. Ah, you the, made it worse. You made one, a third one. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, I failed the, the badly. One, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna fail giving you advice. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but the one, the one downside I think for uh, or because there's a maximum of like once you get to three, it doesn't matter how many more. It could be three or three hundred of death throws. You know, I, I, that doesn't matter at that point. So it kind of builds to a certain point and then just caps. It kind of does because it, it, it inflicts on the DC. So if it starts at three, yeah. but every time you roll a one, it builds up. So it's like three. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's four. Okay, now it's five. Okay, now it's ten. So it's actually a really, really cool thing like for, for some tension in that player. And then suddenly they just see this thing like... It, it's It's like looking at the apocalypse clock it's like mm-hmm. okay now it's two minutes to midnight yeah yeah another another concept would be uh maybe allowing the player to choose to fail a death saving throw willingly and take a charge out of the sword uh so that you know the curse is a little bit more manageable maybe o- over yeah. time they, they maybe they got two successes right then and there and they could choose so the, the reason i'm nervous about doing that is because i would be worried that they would purposefully die, uh, take two failures, and then have a teammate bring them back with, like, lay on hands, and they could just, like, bring it back down to zero. So it's it's pluses and minuses, pros and cons all around. I, I think the other problem is that the second it gets too bloaty, it stops being fun as well. I mean, right. w- worst-case scenario, I'd say potentially stick with your first one because that's really nice and narrative-wise. But give it some kind of, like, make it a plus one or a plus two cursed sword. So it, so there is, like, a really, like, ooh, I do like this sword. I do I do want it. I enjoy, like, I, I want the benefits, but... Yeah, ooh. there's got to be something sweet about yeah. using it. Like, something that tempts you to use it. Um, uh, what Maybe this would fall under, like, a, a specific thing that the dungeon master would, be able, would rule on. But what if I'm holding the sword... Mm. And I managed to get like my enemy's hand, other like hand on it, like where both of our hands are on it. And then like, would it, could I somehow 
have him take just as much of death throws as that I'm taking and knock us both out kind of a thing? I don't know. I would say no, because if you're the one that the curse is on, it does not transmit. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the sweetness from the sword has got to be that, A, it's just a really strong sword, you know, maybe like a plus two or something, and then B... It allows you to auto succeed on any number of saving throws that you fail, uh, death saving throws that you would fail. So it's kind of like a, a never die until you mm-hmm. crit fail and fail that DC, and then it's a super die. And then you die. It's kind of like a like a yeah ha. <laughs> it's kind of like a like a like a risk management because I mean that's that's the kind of the tale of Damocles, right? Is like all of this yeah. really nice power, but also the looming threat of death at any moment. Sorry. I like it. No, I, I, I think that's cool. I think that's. I think it's got a lot of really, really good potential, which I like. Sweet. I'm not bringing it into our game, Tyler. Don't even give me that look. <laughs> 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 Excellent. So th- that is definitely a sword that would uh, punish failure. Um, so, guys, as, as I said, we're going to talk about a couple, uh, some failures at our tables. Um, Jaren, what, what's been, have you got a notable failure from your table? Uh, I, you should start with Tyler on this. I okay. just ran a session on Tuesday that had a good failure, but I can't remember what it is. So I'm going to jog my brain while okay. you start with Tyler. Tyler? Well, so as a player, I know that I fail all the time in our games. Like that's kind of my thing is I'm, I, I'm constantly having my characters attempt, attempt things that they shouldn't even be trying to attempt um, it is so pretty I, funny. I feel like my characters are just a constant, <laughs> a constant failure. Um, I don't really know nothing in our game in our uh, talking failed D and D games. There's not really a standout moment where the characters have failed. It's more we're more we're just doing improv role play. Um, so, uh, but no, yeah, but like my characters are definitely failing all the time when I'm playing. I I did kind of want to. Um say that what what's kind of funny about you and i know we joked about this um in in our game and i don't know if we joked about it in the game or if it was just our like little miscellaneous chat after mm-hmm. is that tyler the way the, the way you play some of your characters is so far both of them have had some aspect of being a bullshit artist and that's great that's fine uh, i like it yeah i'm sorry that's good it's- is Josh's mic all crackly? Yeah, I also yeah. am having that, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping it's just on Skype. Sorry. I'm you, you got really quiet. Well, you got really quiet, and then there's just a lot of scratching, crackling happening. It's like you're molesting the podcast sock again. But we can tell you're not. <laughs> well, not that we can see. There are two socks, well, presumably. Yeah, I'll see myself off the podcast. It's fine, guys. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> but no, like yeah, you're still. Yeah, I can hear that popping and crackling. Like I can't tell what he's saying at all. I got nothing, man. All right. Is that better? Well, it's stopped. I Hello? think. What happens when you talk? Well, I think your volume went back, came back up. Yeah, um, it's because for some odd reason, Skype just suddenly decided to change my built-in microphone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool feature. Thanks, Skype. 
prick. Um, sorry, as I was saying. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, so Tyler, what we've noticed is you seem to run characters who seem to have like a capacity for bullshitting people without necessarily taking any benefits to charisma. When you say fail, like those persuading roles, would you describe those as talking failures? Yes. I, I, I guess I'm on brand. You, you, um, yeah, I, I, I dig it. Yeah. Sorry. Um, probably some of the best failures we've had at our table... Oh, okay, no, I got a good one from, from one of my other tables that I play at, where, where I actually get to be a player character. It's great. Um, so, we had to get a wizard out of a tower, three levels up. My character climbs up there. He's a druid. He looks through, like, a, a grate on the window. It's like, you know, got the, the bars in the window, like a what, what Americans would call a tic-tac-toe, or we'd call noughts and crosses in Australia kind of configuration. I said, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to tie the rope around the window. I'm going to loop it gently around myself. I'm going to jump off, and in midair, I become a bear. <laughs> and the weight should wrench the bars right out of the window. And this was great, because it broke my dungeon master for a couple of minutes, where he's like... I don't even know what you'd roll. Um, <laughs> so he had his own personal Ac fail. Um, Ac acrobatics? Yeah, yeah. You'd roll acrobatics, but how do you calculate damage? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, my acrobatics roll was not a success. So the plan did not go ahead. And it was only like about 20 minutes later... Sorry, about like two hours later when I realized, you realize you could have become a mouse and gone in and cast Cure Wounds. <laughs> or you could have used Healing Word and solved the problem that way. Well, none of those involve becoming a bear. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> and leverage. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, simple machines and dire bears are what I'm all about. I... There's no better life. Yeah. It just Josh's mental processes failed. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a simple machine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> the opportunity was there. I took it. It, it was it was good. It was good. I I dug it. I liked it. Excellent. So um we'll, we'll read out a couple of these other fails cuz some of these are pretty good. Um mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll try and talk about how to deal with failure in some ways. Um, now, the first person that responded on this was someone by the name of Kawai Edgelord. Um, props for name. <laughs> um, one of their characters is a rogue, and uh, one of their party members likes playing tricks on her. So she got sick of it and just wanted to throw a knife just over the shoulder. Rolled a one. Took that character out. And personally, I think that's great. And like mm -hmm. the, 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 the character is like, yeah, well, you, you mess with me, you get the knife. And the player is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, which is great. <laughs> and I like that, you know, they said, look, after this, you know, we got on much, much better. 
And I think my response to this was, well, look, hey, some of the best relationships start with someone putting something into someone else. <laughs> Which I think works for me. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah, but but I, I like how they actually moved on, and they're like, look, this actually became something we laughed about, and it became a joke in the group rather yeah, than something that a, someone slit someone's throat about. It's a bonding moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Have you guys ever had a similar kind of thing? Uh, so the I've got one for talking failures on, okay. on brand for uh, Tyler's whole thing. All right. um, and Josh, you're going to love this one uh, because it involves a character that you kind of helped bring to existence. Um, uh, so for, for, for listeners who are maybe not familiar with this, Josh uh, was the first person ever in the history of the world to run a Merca campaign. Uh, and he ran it for uh, myself and uh, uh, Ethan and some other guy uh, whose name escapes me. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> but, but when, when he ran it, he, uh, he had created this monster, uh, that was, um, uh, what, what was, what was his name? Uh, the, the mini boss in the swamp. Uh, what oh, did you call him? Uh, uh, Targa, son of Carl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, uh, a, a great ad- adaptation of Tucker Carlson. Um, <clears throat> and so we, uh. I wanted to bring that, that character back uh, in kind of a different way. Um, I don't want to spoil what kind of creature he is, but uh, suffice to say, it's a creature that can take other shapes. Uh, and so in this moment, right, our party is on one side of this giant double door at the top of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and they know that there is a secret meeting going on on the other side of this door. Uh, they find out that the person on the other side of this door is Rucker uh, Tarlson. And... Uh, they begin to have a, an unconvincing conversation through the door while one of them poses as a, a Trumplin, one of our one of our uh, small kind of like minion henchmen kind of creatures. Mm. Um, and he tries to convince him that something has happened and that he needs help and that Rucker needs to open the door immediately to help him. Um, and I have him roll the persuasion check. He crit fails. And so... Uh, I surprised the character. Rucker said, "Wow, you really sound like you need help. Do you need it? Like, do you need like someone to come out there like right now?" And the party was like, "Yes, yes, immediately. Please open this door and come help." And Rucker said, "All right, I've just sent the message. Ten guards are on their way to assist you right now." Nice. <laughs> and the door stayed locked. And of course, the guards <laughs> show up and uh, chaos ensues. Uh, but it was really funny because, you know, they had that moment where. I had said, oh, yeah, you know, I'd be, I would love to help you. And they have this flicker of hope in their eyes. But that foreboding knowledge of, well, I did roll a one. How will this go wrong? Uh, and it was a lot of fun to do that. That is excellent. That is, that is a really creative way of dealing with that. Because they, I mean, it, it does wonderfully raise the stakes of failing a persuasion roll or deception. It's like, oh, Oh look! I mean, you got you guys must be in so much trouble. Let me help you. It's like, but no, no, no. That's a, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, because because I can't double back and be like, uh, actually, I lied and everything is fine. Yeah. No, no, no. We're we're that fine. Does... We're fine here. Uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> that actually uh, is a good transition over to. Uh, I I remembered uh, before we started playing D and D with you and I, Josh. Uh, my talking fail guys, uh, we were playing a little Star Wars uh, RPG, 
And uh, our mission was to, we had to infiltrate this uh, asteroid, had like a hangar in, in it. So we landed our ships in the giant hangar of the, that's carved out of the asteroid. We fight our way to the very back of the, of the hangar where the pr- prisoner's being held. We get the prisoner out. And we're starting to work out, walk back to the ship. We're like, oh, cool, we got it all. And then, uh, like, three ships, enemy ships, land in the hangar. And so now we're trapped between, we got bad guys between us and, the, and, the, and our escape. And uh, my brother, Will, goes like, wait, we found that control room. So he runs up to the control room and he goes, okay, uh, I want to, uh, I, we're all in the control room now. We're all in a separate space other than the giant hangar. I would like to uh, vent the atmosphere into space, and like the, our DM had like a, this big uh, fight all planned. He was expecting all of us to fail and like get captured, and we have to break back out of prison. And he was just like, "Oh, I, I guess you win. Like you, all the guys just get sucked. I don't have a counter for everybody getting sucked out <laughs> into space. Um, so you so, failed. Yeah, at failing. you guys win. Yeah." Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, mean, that was, I just thought that was a great. It was like, yeah. With, with a couple of minutes of thought on that, my response would have been, "Well, you go to vent the hangar space, and then an error message comes up saying, cannot vent hangar. Organic life detected.'" Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen but... you know, health, occupational health and safety in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the oh, Death yeah, there's Star, no rails. I mean, yeah, there's no rails yeah, there's near, no, the, near yeah. the big giant energy thing that could kill you. Yeah. So, well, maybe they don't care. <laughs> but that is a good failure. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, when a DM fails, and it's like, um, it's like, how, how do I move the story along now? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm yet yeah, to have I, that, Tyler, although I know you've tried. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, many time I've tried. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've definitely run into narrative failure situations um, and had to, to kind of like on my feet fix it. Where uh, you know, at one point I wanted to give uh, introduce the party uh, to this animal character. Well, we have a, a barbarian in the party who plays this kind of like redneck version of a barbarian, um, and he's raged and he's just going through and he's smashing these boxes. Well, in my head, I had had it that that's where I would put this animal creature, and but I, I hadn't really given them a chance to discover this. And so this barbarian is just swinging this axe, and he's like, I smashed this box. And I'm like, uh, okay, you smashed that box, and I'm trying to think about how to maybe save him from making the mistake he's about to make. So I say, you, you smashed that box, uh, and that box just had uh, like drinking water in it. And he's like, well, I don't give a shit about that. And I smashed the next box. And I was like, wow, so weird. This box just has a bunch of lettuce uh, and carrots in it. And some of them have little bite marks out of it. And he goes, I smashed the third box. And I went, squish. Uh, there was uh, a tortoise living in this third box. Uh, and you have just murdered it. Uh, and with his dying breath, and then I just drew it out and gave them this really long conversation with this sentient tortoise that he had just murdered. Which, it wasn't, you know, he didn't roll anything to fail. It was just kind of a fail in the narrative sense of, like, he had really thrown a wrench into my plans, and also his character's fond of animals, so he had to live with the fact that he had just ganked this tortoise. So he felt totally upset with you? (laughs) I don't know what I expected. 
Mm. At what point during my yeah. story did you think of that? <laughs> when you was it like immediately? This... <laughs> 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 I can't help myself. I'm just not good. Oh, I can relate. I'm probably one of the biggest things I've had as far as like narrative failures um, with you guys is when I run a an encounter and I think right this is going to be really difficult this is going to this is going to stretch them and then you guys do just like overwhelming damage or I just can't roll dice to save my life <laughs> and it's like uh, yeah you defeated the one arm troll yeah that was good I was supposed to hit Ethan a lot because that'd be funny <laughs> she <laughs> <laughs> now Josh is sad. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm gonna get happy oh, let, again. Let me, uh, let me yeah. ask you this, Josh. In situations like that, uh, here's something that I do, but I think that this is kind of a point of contention in, in campaigns. Uh, I will fudge my dice rolls uh, behind the DM screen. I think that's the purpose of the DM screen. I think my role as the DM is to give the players a very enjoyable and fun and exciting situation. So sometimes, I will admit, you know, in, in the dark corners of the table where no mortal may lay eyes, uh, I will just, you know, fib a little bit about what I roll or maybe about how much health the creature has left. Uh, it, I feel that it's, it's something I do to make sure that encounters feel big, mm. uh, but I know a lot of people feel like it's dishonest. So what do you, how do you feel about that? Um, well, all my dice rolling happens in front of everyone. Um, so I can't do that. And I've got one of my uh, players at in this conversation. So if he ever finds out that... Um, <laughs> it's okay. I'll do earmuffs. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's not how that works, Tyler. Everyone, oh, Tyler's cool. got his hands over his ear, over his headphones, <laughs> thus securing them to make sure he hears exactly where I have done things. Um, or not done things. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right? Um, yeah. Well, the recent combat thing, I boosted Agrathan's hit points a little bit, but I probably got his spells wrong. So he could have been a much worse fight, but I, I toned him down in some ways and, and brought him up in others. So that, and look, I don't think fudging is terrible. Um, I think it can be really, really useful. I think it can, if, if it makes the game more interesting... But also, if you've got a monster on one hit point and it's a big encounter, then you killed it. Well done. Mm -hmm. Because that can also keep mm -hmm. the game moving and stop it getting bogged down. And I think that's right. a, a, a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of reading the table and seeing how things are going. Because mm -hmm. I, I know uh, we, we just did a playtest campaign on Sunday for America. We have a couple of playtesters who have been really, really uh, just instrumental in the success of America. And they went to fight one of these final creatures and through like an unbelievably unlikely series of good rolls, uh, they would have nearly one shot what was supposed to be the final boss just because of like some, like, I mean, I, it's astounding how unlikely it was that they would have succeeded in the way that they did with what they were doing. Uh, but they did. Uh, and I knew that that would be kind of disappointing for them and for for me as the storyteller if you know, we spent all this time building up to a final battle and, you know, it ended almost instantly. So I, I just, ah, I fibbed just a little bit okay. uh, and made that go on a little bit. 
One, I covered one, my fail. One, one thing I suggested um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Alex and I were chatting about this, and my suggestion is if they one-shot a dragon, its skin sloughs away, and it says in a dry, undead voice, Thank you. All that was slowing me down. And then suddenly they're fighting a Dracolich. Mm, I do like that. That's a really neat concept. Yeah. I mean, you know... You haven't seen my final form! Is, you know... It's it's tropey, but... It's a great trope. Because it can turn the fight from, like, from ha-ha to oh shit. And I think that's a great mood to suddenly hit. So, yeah. What do you, uh... Uh, maybe Josh wouldn't necessarily need to answer this because of our relationship as player and DM. But what about when uh, you're you're running a campaign and your character you you really want your characters to hit a bit you know a plot point, but you they just kind of they start they keep avoiding it, ignoring it. They you know, I find that sometimes I I telegraph <laughs> a little bit too much about for my players like oh. There's a really cool place over there. You should check it out. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're not going there. That's obviously a trap." Like, <laughs> so then they just just like, "Ah, dang it. Okay." Uh, and so like, I don't know. I just I t- end up have to block off other areas. Like, so then eventually they're just like, "Well, we have to go into the trap, uh, or what we think is a trap." So I, that's one thing I need to w- work on not failing as much. G- given that but, uh, our campaign has trains, I literally railroad you. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a hey, reason real, to care. What do you call the trains in your campaign? Are they just trains, or do you have like a fancy lightning rail style name? Um, at the moment they're just trains, and Tyler's okay, here, so I too. can't tell him a lot. Um, ah, but right. they are—they are. Yes, Tyler. Yes, very funny. They—they <laughs> um, they are run by like steampunk magic-powered robot things. Got it. Named George, which is a—it's um, actually a thing from the original linemen or um, uh, workers on American Rail were all called George. It was kind of like a job title. Which Why do you know that and I don't know that? Um, because I listen to No Such Thing as a Fish. Well, I don't listen to No Such you Thing should. as a Fish. And really it sounds good. like maybe I should. You should. It is a good podcast, but also Josh knows way too much about American things. Like, he knows more about uh, American politics than either of us do, Jaron. Yeah, I, I believe that. I fully believe that. Josh has a yeah. lot of time in front of a computer to read newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say... And he's the Australian. Yeah, um, give your player characters a reason to care. I think, yeah, that's tough with my my uh, talking fail team because they're just, they're practically murder hobos. And so they will they don't care about anybody. They just care about power and money. So I think I maybe just need to take put, it off like, them. Treasure. Take it off them. But take their money away and say the man that took your money away oh, okay. is over there. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I just got to figure out what motivates them and then use that. Yeah. That's no, that's a good, that's good advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Jaron, how would you do it? Uh, <clears throat> I so my instinct was also to take the money away, um, but maybe maybe not via a mugger. Maybe you know uh, a, a tiny creature that eats gold uh, raids the camp at night and has a bit of a snack. 
Um, okay. Th- that way, it's it kind of takes something away from them and also gives them uh, a, a thread to follow. I like to try and give them plot threads to follow. Knock them out yeah, yeah. with, like, knockout gas in a room. Mm-hmm. They wake up. All their stuff is gone. There's a man there saying, do you remember killing whoever it was? Well, you'll not forget now kind of thing. And then just takes their stuff and just walks off. And then suddenly, A, they've got to start from the start in a lot of ways, like gear-wise. Um, and B, yeah. they've got someone they hate. Mm, yeah, that is a good way to I set like up a that. villain. And also, you know, yeah. if your characters get too comfortable, say they get too attached to, uh, you know, their uh, having, like, you know, maybe your barbarian took uh, heavy armor proficiency and he's just really into the idea that he has that heavy armor all the time, always. Taking that away from him, even temporarily, kind of gives your player the opportunity to flex new creative muscles and to kind of like rethink their character it prevents the game yeah. from feeling boring and monotonous um you just like the one thing you want to avoid is like them being really attached to something you taking it away forever uh that will make your players sad and sad players will hate you ask me how i know yes <laughs> well josh is constantly taking away any hope of a uh, bag of holding so yeah that's not happening that's how i see no see no. See what I have to deal no. with? You're not having another one. Not that brings me joy because I remember that campaign where <laughs> you had us roll that loot table and just the <laughs> unlikelihood that it would happen. And yet there we were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, of the other one, one of the other failures brought up was actually our own Jacob, who said um, he was running <laughs> Carrion Crown and the party was searching through a rogue vampire shop uh, they got into a fight with some enemies, and the druid made a gargantuan tree form inside the shop. The tree destroyed a large chunk of the shop and sent them straight to the boss fight in the basement. That well, is a great I mean, way that's... of teaching yeah. your PCs. Look, you can do anything, but it's going to come back at you at some point. I wished... So, my introduction to playing... D&D. I was actually playing Pathfinder for a long time. And <clears throat> before I was ever a DM, I was a player. My brother ran these games, and he had not learned when and how to say no all of the time, which is a DM is an important skill. Uh, it's how you prevent narrative failure sometimes, is, is they say, can I do this? And you just have to be like, ah, no, there's no physical way for you to achieve that. <clears throat> and so uh, the chaos had ensued. This entire city is on fire. Um, I'm very new to D&D, and new players will often play D&D the way you might play a game like Skyrim, so you become like uh, just totally obsessed with loot. So the city is on fire, and everything is bad, and, and people are rioting, and everyone's abandoning the city. Uh, I'm playing a summoner who is... It's already kind of a, a frowned-upon and broken class in Pathfinder, but I really love that class and just the idea of it. So I say, uh, is there a bank nearby? Uh, my brother sighs and says, yes, there is a bank nearby. And I go, great. Uh, can I go in it? He says, well, the bank is on fire. So you and the party, it's, it's me and uh, this uh, married couple friend of mine. He said, you and the party will have to succeed on a con save to, to get in. Um, and this is the, the fail is that I was the only one who succeeded. Uh, and the other two members of the party failed. So I, I make my way down into the vault and I make my brother painstakingly uh, describe to me how much wealth is in this vault. Uh, and it's an astounding amount of wealth. 
And he's like, but it's all in heavy gold bars and you can't carry that much. You can maybe take one or two. And I went, okay, how big is the vault though? And him thinking this is a flavor explanation, he gives it a very gratuitous size. He just describes how large this vault is. And I think, uh, <clears throat> well, great. Uh, I summon my Eidolon in this vault because he's, he, he fits. Uh, mm -hmm. I load him up. First, I cast Ant Hall and just increase his carrying capacity. I load him up with as much gold, and we calculated. We did the math. And he was like, great, well, how are you going to get him out? And I was like, well, I'll just send him back to his plane, uh, and he'll hold on to the gold, and I'll just have it for when I summon him the next time. And I leave the vault. I make another con save to get out. And the other players are like, was there any money in there? And I was like, no. It was... It was all mm. stolen. I don't know what happened. It was, the, the it was all is, gone. You say this, and I, I see Tyler, like little wheels behind Tyler's eyes. Like <laughs> it's like Matrix code in front of me. <laughs> ah. I just had the Zach Giff and Akis moment. <laughs> <laughs> How can I make Josh make this happen? <laughs> I want a bank's worth of money. Well, don't we all? Um, no, that, that's very cool. Like. You you lured your brother in rather perfectly by getting him to say, all right, okay, what does it look like? What, what, how does that work? Mm. And I think there are times when the DM just has to say no. Um, uh, when have I said no to you guys? I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> Every time I ask for a bag of holding. Yeah, I was yeah, about to that's say, that's a good happen. example. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there have been little things where... I know I can't I can't think of like really specific. But there have been little things where you're just like, no, nah, it's not really what I the situation that you're in, or maybe I just is a misunderstanding and communication of the explanation of what we're doing. But yeah, the, the, I think there's been I think it's mainly little things like because when when Jaron was on last, I, he said he wanted a game where he could backflip over someone, grab him around the neck and hold a gun to their head and take him hostage. And I said, okay, all right, you can do that. And it just means it just means I need to lift my game. Which I will. <laughs> I I do know of several times where I've taken you've 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 explained the room that we're in very carefully, and there's some detail that I become obsessed yes. with. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can think of I a great just, example I, of that. All I, all I want to do is spend all my time playing with this magic item or this magic plate that will make yes. food appear and disappear. While Kevin was and, waiting for uh, us. And yeah, and well, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it was a surprise. Uh, yeah, but uh, so yeah, there have been a few times where you're like, okay, T Tyler, we need to move on. Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's it. You've broken the magic plate. Now we need to move on. And like, okay, fine. It's like you can't weaponize the magic plate. <laughs> I wanted I'm, to I so know. bad. I seem to remember a series of personalized books uh, that. <laughs> Josh had made the mistake of describing to us, I think, a library's <laughs> worth of autographed, personalized books. And I think when, when he tried to usher us on and say there's no more of that, our strategy was, okay, well, we grab ten more uh, and we'll just, you know, randomly pull these out to challenge Josh. I was, I was waiting for you to, like, find a way to use those books to solve some kind of puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> like we throw a book into the holographic hole. Sorry, the illusory hole. Oh, it's not there. It was an illusion. Ha ha ha, Josh. No, we just wanted to keep making you describe uh, what was written in each and every one of these books. Yeah, all the personalized messages. 
Yes. That would Which you handled hilarious. marvelously, by the way. You you did yeah. so well at coming up with those. I was so mad. Um, <laughs> it, uh, Emma Mulhack, um, who has written to us previously, she said the first time she DM'd, uh, her husband was in the party and his character had a business of X gold per month and they hadn't specified what it was. The friend who DM'd it... Um, that another friend and I, like, they got together and they got this campaign off the rails, said he should be a pimp. And that was his revenge on a previous campaign derailing. Now, I know which person I would do this to, Tyler, but the problem is Michael would probably be fine. (laughs) He'd just see that as the cult of Michael. (laughs) You just made Michael stay. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, have you hey, have you heard the great word about me? <laughs> Not a single charisma uh, bonus. Love... <laughs> just yeah, just a confident jerk. Uh, that's pretty bad. Um, what what's their name? Um, Brett Martin has written not me, but one of my group. Of course. Um, He played a barbarian in the last campaign. After failing to woo an NPC, he headed to a brothel for the comfort of a lady of the night. Now, that being said, that's a content warning for Dungeon Masters. You don't have to do this, but if you want to, that's fine. Um, The DM made him roll a con check to see how he went, and he rolled a one. Ooh. Boy, the DM was a different kind of Dungeon Master, wasn't they? Weren't they? They might have been. (laughs) I mean, maybe they were just trying to get a rise out of them. <laughs> oh, man, that's the that's the second time you've made a joke of that nature, and I've totally missed it. I remember the last time I felt like such an idiot, you had to explain it to me. Well, you see, when a man loves a woman... <laughs> <laughs> there are birds, and there are bees, and yeah. they have relatively low AC, so it's pretty easy to squish them. Yeah. My, my parents cheated when it came to that kind of thing. They just made sure we all knew how to read. And they left this book called Where Did I Come From? lying around. And they just let events take their natural course. Oh, man, they set a literal trap for you. Yeah, a literary <laughs> literal, yeah. Ah. They, they were clever people. Um, one here from um, Rockabilly Soap. Um, who everyone should go buy their soap because it's like they make soap mimics and dragon soap things and they're really cool Um, they had one where a couple of elves just destroyed a party member taking them from 40 to 2 with a couple of crit rolls I've had this happen when I had a warlock join my table and the first combat encounter, they took two critical hits on the first roll, on the first round. Ooh. Just like, same time, pair of 20s. I was like, I'm really sorry, Kat. Um, bye. <laughs> oh, no. But, but have you guys ever had something like that happen at your table where a newbie just gets, like, destroyed? Ah, oh, let me see. I don't think I've had a newbie get destroyed, but I did have, in that last session I described uh, where the guards came, mm. um, 
the, the our, our resident cleric had gotten herself uh, surrounded uh, by four Trumplins, and there was a uh, Trump bearing down on them. It was, it was very disastrous. Um, and I had another player of mine was playing uh, a class that we have that is very uh, focused on guns. He rolled a crit fail, uh, shooting at one of the Trumplins. I had him roll damage, uh, and that player in the middle had taken the damage, uh, but he rolled uh, pretty much as high as he possibly could have, and then the next turn was the Trumplins, and it felt disingenuous to make them all just scurry away and not attack her, so they definitely did, and she died and then proceeded to fail two of her saving throws, and as the DM, you know, I'm my anxiety levels are rising because I, I did not mean for that to happen, and I, you know, I took this opportunity to turn a crit fail into something funny, but now it's no longer funny because this character may really die. Uh, <laughs> no, that's hilarious. <laughs> such a cruel DM. Yeah. Um, I had I had talked to this player before about uh, them wanting to convert from a cleric to a paladin, uh, and so I used this death as an opportunity for them to have a near-death encounter. They interact with their god. Their god sends them back right before they have the chance to fail that third death save. But when they're sent back, they find that they have this whole new slew of abilities, and we did their character conversion there. So I managed to, you know, kind of squeeze it into the narrative and, and turn it into this really great moment. But really what I was doing was just covering my ass so that she didn't die. Nice. That's awesome. It was a huge, huge success. That Everyone really loved fail. it, and it turned, yeah, it, it turned yeah. out really good. Okay, I don't want to bring any other fails in ever because that's <laughs> that's the ultimate. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Josh. You're so sweet on me. I said it's beautiful, not you. Oh, ooh. all right, <laughs> sorry, now we're sorry. even. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. All right, well, uh, join us next week. <laughs> yes, please do, because um, we're having fun. Um, yeah, so, um, Tyler, I know, you, I know you find it tedious to talk about, you know, the fact that you're on, that people should go to Club Fail and they should check out all the podcasts, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of getting tiring to talk about Club.Fail as a web, my website. Um, it's also just, you know, the same thing of uh, with at Ronald Foos on Twitter. Mm. So don't, just don't check it out. Yeah. Just, just, just yeah. Don't, don't do it. Nope. No. It would away. be a fail if you did. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and Jaron, people can follow you. Yeah. You guys can always find me at Jaron RM Johnson on Twitter. Um, uh, monsters of will always take you to where you want to go to see all of our neat stuff. Come check out our discord as well. Hang out uh, as we're closing up work on Monsters of America. I'm starting to share more sneak peeks at things. So if you want to see nice. cool sneak peeks, that's a good place to do it. Excellent. And um, I, of course, can be found at Nerdy People D and D. Um, there is a web page, uh, BetterHomesAndDungeons.net, on the way. Um, I just need to get my logo done, and then I'll like start des designing stuff, and it'll be really cool. Yes. Um, and, and of course you can check out both the campaigns we're running both one Tyler is in as well as our uh, Cobalt Press Margrave um, campaign which is like fairy tales set in Slavic forest and people might die I haven't decided yet <laughs> we'll see it'll be fun um, but everyone thank you very very much for joining us um, please feel free to send me anything really I'll, I'll be very curious to see 
th- things to talk about about dungeon and dungeons, dragons, pathfinding, the whole thing. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Later. Bye.